The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. I don't have to show you any stinking This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And hi there, ho there. Welcome, everybody. Thursday on the Blaze Radio Network and the Chris Salcedo Show. I'm happy you've tuned in. The juice is loose. Now, for a lot of you millennials, you're not even going to know what that is in reference to. Because, number one, it's a National Football League reference. Number two, it's a... It's a part of the lexicon that is faded out. I will, I will explain all after I tell you guys how to get in touch with the Chris Salcedo Show. By the way, I want to welcome the Facebook Live audience from the Blaze Facebook presence. So uh, we'll get to all of the news of the day here in mere moments. 888 That's how you get in touch with the program here, the Chris Salcedo Show. If you want to touch base with us on social media, that's easy to do as well. Go to the Facebook page, The Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Just type in The Chris Salcedo Show in the search bar and you'll find us. You can go to Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX, that at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. Uh, what am I missing? Did I get Facebook? I got, I got everything, right? All right. Now, if you want to catch the show live, easy to do. Blaze.com slash radio. You can go to the Blaze Radio smartphone app, which is really slick. I don't know. For those of you listening on iHeart, and it works for you, that, that's cool. But if you get a chance to do a side-by-side comparative analysis, just give me your impression. What works best for me is the Blaze Radio app, or you can listen to iHeart. Either way, you get great programming here in the Blaze. I just happen to like the interface a little bit better with what's happening on the Blaze. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's on-demand listening for all of you if you want to catch this program and other programming on-demand. Go to theblaze.com in the channel section. You will find uh, the Chris Salcedo Show's presence there as well. One of the the top performing posts yesterday on the Chris Salcedo Show channel was Governor Moonbeam of California pretending he's president. Uh, That was was big goings-on. You guys reacted to that, and uh, <laughs> all I can say is uh, what I said yesterday. They're so cute at that age, are they not? Okay, the juice. The juice references a guy by the name of O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson was a running back. Who did he play for? The Bills, I think, most of his career. And uh, O.J. Simpson, a little bit of trivia. For those of you who are into uh, 80s sci-fi, after Battlestar Galactica, there came a show starring Gil Gerard called Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. The Juice, O.J. Simpson, is featured, not the act, not him, because by the way, O.J. Simpson did get into some of the Naked Gun movies. He was an actor after he got out of football. So he he jumped on, on screen and was um, in... In comedy, oddly enough, he would he would continue on to, to murder his wife and, and her friend, Ron Goldman. Not, beside the point, O.J. Simpson was referenced in an episode of Buck Rogers in the 20th century as a, um, a way to... I, it was, it was, it was a, a bit of trivia shared by Buck Rogers, who had 
for those of you who don't know the scientific story, Buck Rogers goes back in time. Not not back in time, forward in time. He's frozen. Uh, He's an astronaut. He gets frozen in in a wide orbit and then doesn't get back to Earth 500 years it takes him to do a a complete lap, if you will. And then, of course, everything's changed on Earth in 500 years. Good series for the first couple of years. Again, beside the point. O.J. Simpson, as as you heard me reference, uh, killed, many of us believe, killed his wife, killed uh, uh, her friend Ron Goldman in a fit of rage, was acquitted of that. And then uh, lost in a civil case where he was going to spend the rest of his life paying millions to the Goldman family. Uh, And then he got into legal trouble a few years later when he was trying to get some of his memorabilia back. Uh, uh, Many speculated because he was so down on his luck as far as finances because the Goldmans were taking everything. Um, Anyway, he shows up. Let me play. Uh, this is Tom Riccio. He is a he's a guy, kind of a bit of a shady character, I guess, uh, who was involved in memorabilia redistribution or acquisition and redistribution. Anyway, he had this to say in an interview about O.J. Simpson and going away. What what the reason why he got put away this time? This was nine years ago. Was he shows up to get some of his memorabilia back with a couple of armed guys? Uh, there's a word for that. They call it armed robbery. <laughs> and he was put away for it. But listen, listen to Tom Riccio. Uh, this is the Listen, um, I don't like to see anyone go to jail. That's a, that's, that's a serious, serious thing. Yeah. But, um, hey, we talked about this. He, he wanted his items back. He was supposed to go there, tell these guys, look, this is my stuff. Return it. I'm calling the cops. And uh, he was confident that they were going to just give the stuff back, which they did. Mm. For the first 30 seconds of the tape, you can hear them apologizing. <laughs> and for some reason, he insisted on these guys bringing guns and turning it into an armed robbery. And when you do an armed robbery, you know, you, you do that crime, you got to do the time. Right. Geraldo Rivera on Fox this morning talking about, look, the murders of Ron Goldman and Nicole Simpson that has nothing to do with what was being decided today by this parole board. Although many speculated the reason why he he did nine years instead of doing, you know, a year or two for this was because the the judge who gave him this sentence saw it as a bit of uh, justice since he got off on the murder, the murder trial. Anyhow, parole board meets with O.J. and uh, my understanding, and I did not watch it all the way through uh, it doesn't get any more yesterday's news than O.J. Simpson in my mind. But I hear he, j- he didn't apologize for showing up with, with guys with guns. As a matter of fact, in his parole hearing, he made, he made sure to point out, I never once pointed a gun at anybody. Nobody ever accused me of pointing a gun at anybody. That's about as repentant as he got. And they let him out. 70-year-old O.J. Simpson is back on the streets. Uh, If you were ever a friend of Nicole Simpson, just watch it. Okay. Now, since we're starting out the program with something that doesn't have a tinker's damn bit of difference in your life, here's something that's maybe a little more relevant. You guys like movies? You guys like to go to the movies? Now, typically, you guys, those of you who have watched and listened to the Chris Salcedo show for any amount of time know I abhor political correctness. I abhor 
people getting jobs not uh, that only because of the color of their skin not because of the the qualifications they bring to the table i don't like affirmative action uh, I, I think affirmative action is in is in and of itself racist i'm a belief i'm of a belief that if you want to stop racism you ought to st- first stop being racist and that means saying oh you're black or you're brown you get special consideration no that's that's racism anywho that let me give you some examples before i get into the actual story you guys remember this was oh boy six seven years now warner brothers decides it'll be a great idea to make one of their primary characters superman to make him renounce his u.s citizenship now this is of course smack dab in the era of obama where hating on america was in vogue right that was probably barack obama's biggest contribution to the national discussion is hatred of the united states of america so superman renounces his citizenship he's not about truth justice in the american way anymore and to me that was fundamental the core of superman so i thought okay political correctness and i got pissed off at, at warner brothers and boycotted superman for the longest time still you know not really i'm kind of a batman guy now again i'm leading somewhere with this there is also a spate of recasting of superheroes either as gay or as different genders all in this mabby pamby kumbaya oh wouldn't it be wonderful if thor was a woman that that kind of thing all of this being said, you've got, speaking of Thor, uh, Chris, was it, Hemsworth is his name? Chris Hemsworth? He plays Thor, and he is, uh, who is this? Uh, Trey Goins Phillips on the blaze. Rice, that he, he's speculating it'd be a good idea that James Bond be recast as a woman. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm, as long as, James Bond, or in this case, I guess it would be Jamie Bond, right? What's your name? Bond. Jamie Bond. Okay, th- that would probably be the only serious uh, change. D- would, would the essence of James Bond be changed? And that's the only thing I care about. I would, I would care about that if the wo- a woman was portraying Jamie Bond, uh, good-looking, uh really good with weapons and gadgets, um, clever, witty, and slutty, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, if, you, if James Bond, what is, what is the hallmark of James Bond? Sleeping around with everything that moves, right? That's James Bond. We all know it. So as long as the female lead as Jamie Bond adhered to that and kept the character the principle of the character, the foundation of the character going, I, would, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And for the first time, I'm in a minority with my audience. I put this up on the Facebook page, and you all lost your minds, saying that this is stupid, this is idiotic, don't even consider this kind of stuff. Uh, l- let me give you an example of when I do mind this kind of thing happening. And I think we brought this up. Remember Star Trek, the, the latest Star Trek? Ikaro Sulu was made into a gay man. And you know who had a problem with it? One of the few times I've ever agreed with George Takei. 
the original Sulu, George Takei, the actor, came out and says, what are you doing? You can't make, you can't make Ikaro Sulu gay. The character's not gay. I, the, I George Takei, am gay, but my, the character I played wasn't. What are you doing making Sulu gay? And he objected to it, much to his credit. And I don't think, look, I, I don't think that the sex of James Bond is critical to what the character does or the race of the character. But again, I have a feeling I'm in the minority on this because just judging by the reaction on the Facebook page, uh, y'all losing your minds over this. So not that we're going to dominate the whole show with this. If you guys want to weigh in, 888 do, do you guys have a problem? Wouldn't, I mean, guys and ladies, let me just ask it this way. Would you go see a movie as James Bond cast as a woman? Wouldn't you be the least bit curious? Again, 888 You can visit on Facebook and join the Salcedo Show bashing right there because they are telling me I'm out of my mind or on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Back in two shakes, folks, here on the Blaze Radio Network. The media wasn't ready for a conservative Latino, so naturally, we gave him a show. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. Listen, dial, speak. 888-900-3393. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, let me uh, say a few words about what's going on with John McCain. It is no secret we have our disagreements with the senator from Arizona. And this in no way changes our outlook on policy or on adherence to what it means to be a Republican in the allegedly conservative conservative party. But when it comes to what John McCain is going through, politics do and should take a back seat. So it is with uh, the most heartfelt conviction I can muster, and I'm hoping I'm convincing you guys of this, and and sincerity that I I wish John McCain every bit of luck and prayers for him and prayers for his family for the diagnosis he received it was a blood clot removal operation from his eye they discovered a tumor it's cancerous and it's a rather aggressive form of cancer and my understanding is is that he has to convalesce at home and let the the wounds from the surgery heal before he can even start chemotherapy. They got most of the tumor out. Or they say they got all of it, but there are still some cancer cells left behind that could be a problem. So chemotherapy is what's going to be happening. And um, But he's got to wait. He's got to wait. 
So it is, uh, again, with a great deal of sadness, I inform you, and with all sincere, uh, sincere prayer for his recovery, that, uh, that uh, John McCain is ill, and th- there is a political component to this, too. you you, you got to wonder what it does to the, the debate about how the rest of us are going to uh, have medical care dispensed to us. We don't have to worry about John McCain. Uh, Mr. McCain is going to be just fine. Uh, he will have the finest doctors and the finest care. Uh, because A, because of his wealth. B, because he's a member of Congress. And as Congress debates what to do about we the little people, his voice will be absent. And to get any type of meaningful repeal across the line, it, it could be one that's needed, a voice that's needed. If that is what they decide. Later on today, folks, we will talk about what it is to be a Republican, what it means. In the meantime, and by the way, if you want to join in that conversation a little bit early, it's on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. You got to scroll down a little bit to find the picture of the American flag with the, the rampaging elephant on it, where we ask the question about what, what is a unifying set of principles for the, the GOP these days? Because I, given these senators and healthcare, I, I couldn't tell you what the unifying principle is because what I thought a Republican was, Senator Collins, Murkowski, and Portman and Capito have betrayed what I thought a Republican was. So what is it? All right, uh, to the border. You guys know the name Brandon Judd, U.S. Border Patrol, telling Fox News Channel that barriers actually do work to stop illegal immigration. A secondary fence, exactly. Um, If you look at El Paso or San Diego where we did it right, illegal immigration has plummeted, and if we do it right in strategic locations, like what the president said, we're going to control illegal immigration. I can testify to this being from San Diego originally, remembering when there was just a cable down there on the border and then they put up a three-barrier fence and what happened to illegal immigration? Plummeted by 95%. Barriers do work with the proper mission. And the U.S. Border Patrol, according to Brandon Judd, they are thankful to have a law-abiding president finally in the Oval Office to empower them to do their job. Uh, Effectively, he told the ICE folks and the Border Patrol people the catch and release ends now, right? He did. And what has been the impact on the number of people coming over? Uh, Again, if you look at the the rhetoric that the president sent out, uh, we've had the drop that we've never seen before with any presence. And so if you're in the left, right, or in the middle, you have to say, this president has done exactly what he promised to do, and we do have border security like what we expect to see. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the law is being enforced, and, and look at what's happened. And the 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 morale of the U.S. Border Patrol is skyrocketing. As a matter of fact, Brandon Judd said he's never seen it like this. And it's, and, it's, and it's because they were so demoralized from the leftist in chief, from resident Obama. I know during the Obama administration, I know a lot of you and your officers felt hamstrung, couldn't really do your job. What about now? There's a vibe, there's an energy in the Border Patrol that's never been there before. In in 20 years that I've been in the patrol, we haven't seen this type of energy. And and we're excited because we we signed up to do a job, and this president is allowing us to do that job. And can I get an amen? All right, up next, our buddy Ruben Navarrete Jr. talking about these border issues. 
The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show. This is your radio republic. Unlike your current federal government, your views are heard, listened to, and addressed right here on this program. If you're on hold, stick with me, folks. I'll get right to you after we talk to Ruben Navarrete Jr. He's the most read Latino nationally syndicated columnist, contributes over there to foxnews.com, offers an, uh, analysis and commentary on various TV networks. Uh, Ruben Navarrete Jr., welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Good to be with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about uh, an opinion piece you wrote about what's going on out there in your state, uh, California, poised to become a sanctuary state for illegal aliens. Basically, your government out there is saying, hey, those illegal alien felons are people, too, and we want them in California. And don't you dare, federal government, try to get rid of our illegal alien felons. What do you say to that? I think it's a joke. I think it's. It's, I've said this before on your show. I've said it on Fox News Television, on O'Reilly's show and other shows. The entire idea of a sanctuary city, a sanctuary county, a sanctuary state, a sanctuary planet is complete nonsense because there's no <laughs> such place. There's no, there's no place on earth where you can go to hide from the IRS and not pay your taxes. And there's no place on earth where you can go and hide from ICE in the United States and not be apprehended. And as evidence of that, Chris, we saw a story out just yesterday where the attorney general, where ICE, the director of ICE, is sending out uh, extra ICE agents to sanctuary cities to crack down on sanctuary cities and deport people from those cities. So obviously the whole notion of, you know, of declaring a city a sanctuary city, that's like declaring the blue bonnet the official state flower of Texas. So what? Right. Well, you know, what? where some of these left-wing precincts, uh, either cities, counties, or even state, as in California, what, what they are pledging to do yeah. is to command their constabulary you will not cooperate with federal detainers uh you will let go these individuals you will not aid in any way the apprehension of these illegal alien felons as a matter of fact you will emulate what the obama administration did which was to allow these illegal alien felons back on the streets so they can perpetrate crime on american citizens once again so it's one thing yeah, that's, it's that's one not, thing to that's stand not true that's not true either that's not well, it true, is true. here's why Here's, here's, here's what's not true. Well, okay. when, Kate Stanley was, when Kate Stanley was killed famously and infamously in San Francisco, subsequently right. the sheriff's office and the sheriff's department ended up uh, in the crosshairs. Subsequently, there was a vote, an election, it so happens, and the, the current uh, sheriff was run out of office. Every sheriff in the state of California knows, because they have to stand for re-election, that they have no interest, and this goes for police chiefs as well who are appointed by city councils that are elected by the people. They have no interest in letting dangerous criminals go out into their communities. So what they do is they write into this hocus pocus these loopholes that you can drive a truck through where it says you may not uh, turn over to ICE these people who are here undocumented unless dot, 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 unless dot, dot, dot. And if you follow the dot, 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 and you take enough to read these ordinances, you see that there are lots of provisions there that do, in fact, allow people to be turned over to ICE. Yeah, so, well, you know, the, 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 the orange, the well, hold on. These people here. 
Hold on. Yeah. The Orange County Sheriff disagrees with you because she's looked at the ordinances that are being passed out there in California, the one that would prohibit her from cooperating with ICE. Here's what she told Tucker Carlson. And Tucker made a great observation on this because what you're suggesting is that the, the Orange County Sheriff I, I and other sheriffs... For, in, I've, known Tucker, well, I've known Tucker for 20 years. I doubt he made a great observation about anything related to immigration. <laughs> no, no. What, 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 what she said, the Orange County Sheriff said, that she explored doing exactly what, what you're saying, which is basically ignoring state law uh, and, and enforcing and cooperating no, with federal... That. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the state law, such that it is, these laws are written with loopholes built in to allow the local cops to get rid of these people. The Democrats in California want to have their cake and eat it, too. Okay, this is what I always find shocking in talking to you, my friend, and other conservatives. You guys note correctly that when it comes to immigration, Democrats lie. They lie, they lie, they lie. They pretend to be something they're not. But this, in this case, you guys think this is the one case in a million where the Democrats are actually telling the truth. That they actually created this fortress. It's a lie. It's just like everything else they do on uh, Well, let, let's lie. listen to the Orange County. Listen to the Orange County Sheriff, and then we'll react. By them, they would be released to the street. And then what will happen is ICE will go out. They're not going to let these people go. They're going to go out and they're going to do search warrants on homes. And then people who are here illegally or undocumented and have not been committed and not committed crimes, they're going to get scooped up, too. Yeah, now that, that's that. Now, that's her take on what the law will do. Now, listen to what when when Tucker makes the observation that. Uh, why don't you just ignore California law? Wait, so, wait, how, wait, so if the state of California can say to the feds, we're, we're just ignoring your law, then why can't Orange County say to the state of California, we're ignoring your law? I mean, would you abide by these terms or would you notify the feds if you apprehended an no. illegal... You know, we've already asked the question. We've asked legal counsel. Cal State Sheriffs, has, uh, which I'm a member, has asked legal counsel, and we would be subject to uh, we'd be subject to being prosecuted if we didn't follow the state law. So, what she is saying, uh, Sheriff Hutchins up in Orange County, is that she thought about just ignoring the crazy nutballs in Sacramento and just ignoring their right. law and cooperating with the federal government anyway. And she has been told by her lawyers inside the Sheriff's Association that if you do that, the state of California will come after you. Yeah, and, and so she's relying on her lawyer's opinion. There are a lot of other lawyers who disagree with her lawyers and say that that case would never come to court. But the main point is sheriffs, including that one in Orange County, I saw that interview when it aired the first time on television. They stand for re-election, which she's really concerned about like any politician. And sheriffs are a hybrid between a politician and a cop. That's what you have to understand, okay? They're a hybrid. Sheriffs are half politician, half cop. And that sheriff has to stand for re-election, and she's afraid that if she did do this, there might be a political consequence to that in well. a county that is now over 30% Hispanic. No, I understand that all too well because we have uh, Lupe Valdez, who is a uh, is a pro illegal alien felon well, look, sheriff look, look, in look Dallas, and we have uh, Sanctuary City Sally. We have Sanctuary City Sally, who is also a pro illegal alien felon. Let me ask you another question because but some of these. Some... Here's what I'm saying, Chris. What's yeah. happening in California and North County? Do not lose sight of the possibility that this sheriff is hiding behind this lawyer's opinion because she's a politician who's afraid to stand for re-election on the issue. All right, uh, let me let me transition on to our sanctuary city bill here in texas okay. uh the the uh rafael and shia and others uh, are are trying to get rid of uh accountability on these sanctuary cities and they want this law repealed here in the state of texas and this is what they said texas anti-sanctuary cities law and shia and san antonio democrat senator jose mendez they have filed a bill calling for the repeal of SB4, saying it's a poorly veiled act right. of discrimination against people of color that erodes the trust between law enforcement and the community. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but did not uh, uh, Anchia and, and Jose Mendez, did they not just assume that people who are here illegally and people who are uh, perpetrating felonies are people of color? Isn't that, isn't that a discrimination on their part? Well, when we make the argument in the other direction, when I make the argument to conservatives in the other direction, they say, look at the lion's share of the pie that most of the people who are here who are undocumented are from Latin America, and most of them are from Mexico. Not so this conservative. They, Not this conservative. They, well, they, they point that out as a way of rebutting. When I say this is about race and that you shouldn't make it about race, they, they say, well, look at the pie. You know, it's not a bunch of white people from Ireland. There are people who are here illegally from Ireland, but they're not a big part of the pie. Here's my main problem with what my good friend Rafael and Chia is doing in, in Texas. And it goes for what's, what's happening in California as well. You, may dis- you and I disagree right down the line, Chris, when it comes to what happened during the Obama administration. But I lived through that in real time. And I know that the Obama administration bragged about the fact that it deported 3 million people in eight years. <laughs> and about that, about that, the Democrat, listen to me, listen to me. I listen. I'm about to, I, I'm about, this is why you need to listen to me, Chris, because I'm about to slam Democrats. Okay. Okay. All so, right. I'll I'm listen. I'm about to slam Democrats. So just open your mind just a little bit so like, you can slam the Democrats. Okay. Do it in 30 seconds because I'm up against the top of the hour. Go ahead. Are full of crap. Both parties are full of crap on immigration, but the way the Democrats are full of crap on it is that they didn't say boo during the eight years of Barack Obama. God, you know, the one great thing to come of the Donald Trump presidency is it took Rafael and Chia and people like him and broke them, broke, woke them up from their siesta. And the fact that for eight years they were quiet because the person doing the deporting was a Democrat like that. All right, I, I got to go. Hey, Ruben Navarrete Jr., everybody, you can catch his columns. Uh, they are out there. One is called California and Colorado Thwart Trump Immigration. Bad idea. Another one we couldn't get into is do-nothing immigration bills from the Congress. Maybe we'll revisit that sometime in the coming weeks. Thank you, Ruben. Thanks for being here on the Chris Salcedo Show. We'll talk again. Bye-bye. All right, uh, folks, the reason why this is so important to all you folks in other states is there is an effort, and I told you about the one-of-a-kind the one of a kind law in Texas. The one-of-a-kind. Can you believe that Texas is the only state that commands its cities to actually comply with federal, the federal government on illegal immigration? To cooperate with the federal government on illegal immigration? Other states are looking at what's going on in Texas. Other states are saying... Wait a minute. If Texas can do it, we should, too. We're going to make sure that our law enforcement isn't taking the side of the illegal alien felons and is actually working with the good guys trying to get rid of illegal alien felons. And that's why this state of which where I'm broadcasting from today is ground center uh, ground zero, I should say, for the immigration debate. And. There are going to be tons of challenges because the left wing doesn't want it coming to your state. Next. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Thirty three ninety three. The Chris Salcedo Show. Takes the job, gets into the job, recuses himself, which frankly 
I think it's very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? If he would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you. It's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word to the president. That's uh, the president of the United States in in a meeting with the New York Times. The first question I have, before I get into the meat of what he said, is why the hell are you meeting with the New York Times? Number one. And then now let's get to the substance of what he said. Uh, Throwing Jeff Sessions under the bus for recusing himself. Uh, One gets the opinion that the president was blindsided by all of this. And um, I'm not sure why the president would be so in earnest to have Jeff Sessions there. Uh, You know, if, because, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I know exactly how Trump's detractors are going to look at this. They're going to say Trump wanted Jeff Sessions in there to run interference for him. And I didn't want Jeff Sessions to recuse himself for a whole host of other reasons. Jeff Sessions, basically, through the course of what he was supposed to do as a senator, was meeting with the Russian ambassador and several ambassadors from other countries. Every senator does it. The only reason that uh, there was any question about this was because Jeff Sessions didn't disclose that he had met with a Russian. And now we know, according to, uh, what's his name, Mike Quigley, a Democrat from Illinois. Mike Quigley says, if you meet with a Russian, you're actually meeting with Vladimir Putin. I think what we're learning uh, with the Trump Jr. meeting is when you meet with any Russians, you're meeting with Russian intelligence and therefore President Putin. Yeah, well, Mike Quigley, let's start throwing a whole bunch of Democrats in jail. Mike, have you met with a Russian? Mike Quigley, Democrat, Illinois. Have you met with a Russian? If you have, uh, I expect you to turn yourself in, sir, because you've been collaborating with Vladimir Putin himself by your ridiculous, idiotic standard. Well, you are a Democrat. So, uh, so Trump throws Sessions out of the bus. I understand he's upset. We were all upset that Jeff Sessions did this because it was... It was kowtowing and caving in to an idiotic, hysterical premise by the left. Now, Rand Paul, uh, who uh, has uh, anybody else raising an eyebrow or two at how how much he appears to have the president's ear on several things. Rand Paul says uh, he believes the president has a point here about Sessions. You know, I think the president has a point because the thing is here is that if everybody's going to recuse themselves just for incidental contact, I think you don't get really good governance. I believe that Jeff Sessions' contact with Russians was incidental in the, in, the, in the usual duties of being a Senate. And in being incidental, he should have stayed in the fray and he should have been support, more supportive of the president. Well, Sessions responded. He was asked of this today. And uh, here's what he said. We in this Department of Justice will continue every single day 
to work hard to serve the national interest, and we wholeheartedly join in the priorities of President Trump. He gave us several directives. One is to dismantle internet transnational criminal organizations. That's what we're announcing today. The dismantling of the largest dark website in the world by far. Uh, and I congratulate our people for that. Uh, I have uh, the honor of serving in, as Attorney General. It's something that uh, uh, goes beyond any thought I would have ever had for myself. We love this job, we love this department, and I plan to continue to do so as long as uh, that is appropriate. All right, so that's where this sits right now. What about the future of Jeff Sessions? We'll probably explore that in the coming days. Uh, Coming up next, the home of hate of college campuses, Berkeley. They have stopped another conservative speaker. This time, it's a Jewish man. And what does it mean to be a Republican? Talk about all that coming up. The Chris Salcedo Show here on the Blaze Radio Network. Be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches. I don't have to show you any stinking batches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hour two underway. Glad you've tuned in, everybody, here to the program. The Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, coming up, Congressman Brian Babin. Well, uh, there's there's something that has happened inside of the legislature, and uh, it's not good. Conservatives will not be happy. We were very distressed that Barack Obama used our military as a as fertile ground for social experimentation. From the gender, uh, from from the taxpayers paying for ge- transgender surgeries, very expensive hormone treatment and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the, and a lot of other policies that have affected the readiness of our fighting force and the lethality of our fighting force. Now, what? No, Barack Obama didn't care. It made a, it made America weaker, and then Barack Obama assumed, well, mission accomplished. But some people of of conscience actually wanted to stop all of this stuff and it fell short in the congress and congressman brian babin will talk to us about that and i plan to talk to him about his uh about his thoughts on the health care debate as well so stick around for that let's get to the flip around shall we uh on days when we do facebook live to leave the show we usually kick the flip around to hour two and let's start off over at fox there all of those that's long gone But there is a pressure that comes with media notoriety or having a very familiar face. He really can't go anywhere, Greg, uh, without drawing attention. And that could be good and bad attention. And I'm wondering, given some of the tight provisos assigned to his parole, whether that could complicate things. Well, Fred Goldman told me after the acquittal in 1995 that O.J. Simpson will someday end up behind bars. And he was right. And I wonder today fred goldman is thinking the same thing oj simpson has a tremendous volatile 
temper. You can hear it in the audio tape inside that Las Vegas hotel room during the armed robbery and kidnapping. He is in a an absolute rage, ordering uh, the group uh, what to do, and he's angry. And you know, no one leaves this room. Uh, of course, that is a focus of a lot of the press today. What uh, uh, for those of you just tuning in? O.J. Simpson has been released out of prison. He's a free man at 70 years of age. Um, Other than what we talked about in the first hour, folks, I have nothing else to contribute. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, Here's a guy who got away with murder, double murder. And and he won't go down as one of the greatest football players of all time. He'll go down as the the former football player who got away with killing his ex-wife and her friend. That's it. That's his legacy. Over to MSNBS, if we can. Um, there's certainly a lot of questions about whether, because he rose to politics through a business background, as did his son-in-law, as did his whole family. I, I mean, isn't this an obvious sort of area that the investigation would probe potential business ties to Russia? Well, specifically, we did ask whether it would be businesses not related to the Russia part of it. So, in effect, he was drawing a red line around Russia saying, look, this is supposed to be about Russia if they do business. If they look into businesses that aren't related to that, then I think that would be a violation. But how you define that but can be very But you've lived in murky. Russia. I mean, the, I mean in, in Russia, they don't, I mean, Vladimir Putin is very, very wealthy, not because of his decades-long service in government, but because in Russia, there's no separation between the life in government right. and the acquisition of wealth. Do you think Donald Trump well, understands that, at least on the Russia side, you have to follow the money? Uh, this, of course, is this this interview that we mentioned at the top of the last hour that, that Trump gave to the New York Times, in which he suggests that Rob Mueller has, uh, or Bob Mueller has, uh, some conflicts of interests. Uh, and boy, we've been crying about this for an awful long time. Chief among them, the fact that he's good friends with James Comey and also interviewed for the job to replace James Comey. I mean, this so many conflicts of interest with Mueller. But what they're talking about now is that Mueller, according to a leak, a, a leak out of Mueller's investigation, which by the way, Nobody is asking, and I, I'd love to ask a Democrat, excuse me, uh, sir or madam, uh, would you react, and this is how I would phrase it, would you react to the, to the revelations that Bob Mueller is expanding his investigation into Trump's businesses? Would you, would, would you react to that? And, I, and of course... I would expect the Democrat just to slam Donald Trump to which I, and, and, and if there's anybody listening out there that whoever gets a Democrat in front of them, when the Democrat would finish slamming him, I would say, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Democrat, I, uh, I find it interesting that you took the opportunity to, to slam the president about alleged dealings that were, that were legal between his businesses in Russia. And you didn't take time to slam the illegality of leaking information out of a special investigation. Now, would you expect a lawmaker, someone who is supposed to be a, a member of our society in good standing, to first say, let me say, first off, uh, Chris Salcedo, that 
these leaks coming out of this investigation are unacceptable and we need to find out who the leaker is and they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But you're not going to hear Democrats do that. And you won't even hear that discussion on MSNBS because they dig the illegality. They love the illegality. And so that, that, that is, of course, and, and then when nobody brings up the illegal nature of how these leaks are coming about, Oh, this is, just, this is just par for the course. Of course, it's uh, basically A-OK for people to leak on Trump. Yes, it, technically it's a felony, but we're, we're going to look the other way on that. Craziness, absolute craziness. And, and, and about this doing business with Russia business, uh, Donald Trump didn't come from the ranks of politicians. He didn't skim his wealth off the top of the ta- uh, off the top and built the taxpayers for his wealth or abuse his position of authority to, to get his wealth. He actually had to go out and earn it and do business. And some of that business is international. And the fact that he had business has business ties to Russia, even though I can't name any off the top of my head, but I would imagine the multi-billionaire that Donald Trump is and his business empire, I would imagine it touched Russia and every other nation on the planet at one point or another. I, but what I don't know is I don't I don't know if there's a Trump hotel in Russia. I don't I, I think we'd have known about it long before now if there was. But at any rate, I just oh, did you have business dealings with Russia? Well, so too did Iran and, and Barack Obama gave Iran billions of American taxpayer dollars and paved the way for them to get nukes. Did you talk with a Russian? Yes. Yeah, so was ev- nearly every Democrat in the Congress. This just makes me a little angry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the flip around. Coming up next when we get back, uh, the, the home of hate in the United States. Is it, can we safely say the home of hate now is UC Berkeley? I mean, isn't that a hate-filled, intolerant institution? UC Berkeley? I will explain the latest coming up. The Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. The antidote to the Brian Williams press. The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. From the Washington Examiner. Welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show. Um, After a spring marked by controversies involving free speech rights, the University of California, Berkeley, has blocked a student-led effort to host a popular conservative author from a lecture this fall. Now, who is this conservative author? Well, he's our buddy Ben Shapiro. Uh, it bears pointing out that not only is Mr. Shapiro a dyed-in-the-wool conservative, Mr. Shapiro is also a Jewish man. And I think we are safe in labeling Berkeley 
the home of hate in the college in the college campus era uh, among the, the, the college campuses of the United States. They are intolerant. You know, we have observed uh, not just us, but several others. Our buddy Jack Buckley from the UK observing this, what he calls a paradoxical alliance between radical Islam and the American left, the extremist left wing. And the growing and toxic anti-Semitism that has found its home inside of the Democrat Party. Not me saying it. Alan Dershowitz, a lifelong Democrat and a Jew, saying it. And he's right. I agree 100%. The home of anti-Semitism in America is now the Democrat Party. That We called them the anti-Jewish state party because of their support, uh, Barack Obama's support of uh, factions that wanted to change a strong Jewish leader to Jewish leaders who would surrender to radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorism. And we all have chronicled Barack Obama's support of radical Islam uh, through disinformation to the American people and to the world. So it is no surprise to me that here on a college campus full of intolerant leftists, teachers, that they would be churning out tolerant, intolerant leftist students who would prevent not only a conservative man, but a conservative Jewish man from speaking on their campus. In a statement sent to the Washington Examiner on Wednesday evening, Young America's Foundation announced that administration administrators informed the Berkeley College Republicans in an email this week they were unable to identify an available campus venue to host the lecture, which was slated for September 14th. The administrators identified by YAF as Dean of Students Joseph Greenwell and Student Organization Coordinator Millicent Morris Cheney claimed the lecture was spiked despite extensive efforts. Oh, yes, I'm sure they were very extensive. Ben Shapiro is welcome on our campus, and we are committed to supporting his and your rights to free speech, the administrators contended in their message to students, which was sent Tuesday. Yes, we are so committed we can't find a place for him to speak. Is is this is this really surprising? I don't think so. I don't think so. It has long been known and is becoming axiomatic very quickly that the most intolerant people on the planet are liberals. The most intolerant faction in American politics is the Democrat Party. So, uh, not surprising, disappointing, yes, but uh, not at all surprising. Uh, let's go over to CNN. Don Lime. Uh, I, I, I feel compelled until the Salcedo Show audience has this part of its lexicon 
to remind you who Don Lime is. This is the man formerly known as Don Lemon. The anchor Don Lemon over at CNN. Uh, we call him Don Lime because Don Lemon has had an, well, he has a habit of getting drunk on tequila while the cameras are rolling on, on CNN's New Year's Eve celebration. So what goes better that, with tequila than Lime? Hence his new name, Don Lime. Don Lime was asking uh, Democrat Cory Booker to react to Trump saying that we should let Obamacare die. Now, there's, there are plenty of reasons why we should do this. And at various points, the Salcedo Show is, if we can't get straight repeal and we can't replace socialism that is Obamacare with free market, if we can't do that, then let socialism fail, as we know it always does. Because you have an America that by and large is repelled by failure. You even have a bunch of millennials, even though they don't know the definition of socialism, they know pain when they see it. And they know failure when they see it. Let, and many of them can't be bothered to find news, a news feed to look at the failing socialism in, uh, around the globe or communism around the globe. So let them, hit it, let, let them hit it right here at home where they can't miss it. And then let their leftist professors try to spin how somehow this Democrat-only law, Obamacare, was somehow the Republicans' fault. They'll try. But anyway, uh, Cory Booker was just flabbergasted and aghast that Republicans would allow the pain from Democrats' efforts to be realized. You know the way it works, folks. Typically, Democrats will screw something up and they expect uh, the grown-ups, the GOP, to come in and clean up. Well, the, the bad news for the Democrats is you've got a whole bunch of children now on the Republican side, too. Murkowski, Portman, Capito. Who am I missing? Uh, Murkowski, Capito. Oh, Collins, Susan Collins. How can I forget her? Anyhow... So th there's not a wide majority of conservative or grown-up Republicans. So now you got the children, too, that, that may, oddly enough, conspire to make the children in the Democrat Party actually feel the pain of something they did. Mommy and Daddy aren't there to bail you out anymore, Democrats. And Cory Booker is just aghast at this. I want to get your reaction to hearing the president, President Trump, say he wants to let Obamacare fail today. It doesn't sound like he's interested in working with Democrats um, and he, so that he doesn't own it. What do you think? Of well, that? well, OK, well, first off, uh, I, now, nobody can blame Don Lyme for not knowing what the hell he's talking about. Nobody can blame Don Lyme for not recognizing that back in December, uh, Chuck Schumer said that Democrats would not be helping, that in March that he said Democrats will not help in any phases of the repeal and replace of Obamacare. You've got to forgive Don Lemon for being that ill-informed. Uh, because This well, is not really a normal day. Yes, President it's not really a normal day. Where is that coming from? Uh, oh, that was ha, New York Times uh, pop-up ad, of course. Anyhow... So you've got to forgive Don Lemon because look at where he works, the home 
of bias, the basket of bias leader, CNN. But at any rate, he's so let me push back on that premise. Of course, he's being absolutely either misinformed or he's lying his rear end off when he sits there and says, oh, it looks like the president uh, is not going to help out Democrats. He's not going to help. Well, when it's really the Democrats who have said they won't help. I mean, that's not just cynical. It's actually sinister. Here is a guy that promised consistently that he was, hey, only I can fix this, that I'm taking, I'm the guy, that I'm going to make. Fix it? I'm sorry, Cory Booker, fix what? I thought Obamacare was the end-all, be-all. You all gathered around resident Obama and smiled your butts off how what how much of a great achievement socialized medicine was in America. Fix what? All you Democrats have been running around here the last few months telling us how great Obamacare is. What's there to fix? Healthcare for everybody. I'm going to make it affordable. Oh, it's going to be, I think the word he used was terrific. Well, he's completely abdicated that uh uh, responsibility that uh, completely broken that promise. He- whoa, 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 wait a minute. Who broke what promise? Cory Booker, you and your party were saying, if you like your plan, you can keep it. Your doctor, you can keep it. Save $2,500 a year on your health care if we passed your damn Obamacare bill. Back in a minute. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. Welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you have joined your liberty-loving Latino today here. Don't confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos. I actually love the country. Lots of fun going on up in the uh, legislature, right? Up in uh, Washington, D.C. Let's talk about all of that. Congressman Brian Babin, he serves the people of the great state of Texas in District 36. He served on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee and House Science, Space, and Technology Committee. Mr. Babin, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, thank you, Chris. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you, sir. And I know you, you've got votes scheduled, so I'm going to try to be as, as quickly as, as, as I possibly can here. Uh, the House votes down a bill to reverse Obama-era transgender military policies. Now, I have identified this. I know you have and several other folks have said the wrong place to do social engineering is is in tinkering around with it is in the United States military in our national defense. How disappointed are you in this? Oh, I'm just uh, just greatly, greatly disappointed and stunned. Well, we only lost the vote by five votes. If we could have uh, convinced three other ones uh, to change their votes. Uh, I think we could have reversed this. We're not through yet, Chris. Uh, this is something we're still working on. I'm a veteran of the Army and Air Force. Uh, my oldest son was a Navy SEAL. Uh, I've talked to numerous military pers- uh, military personnel who have been complaining about this transgender uh, policy, and uh, it is absolutely contrary to what the military is all about. Uh, as you said, social experimentation in our military is the absolute wrong place for this. Uh, and, and not only from a standpoint of morality 
but just common sense from a fiscal standpoint. We're going. Do we actually want in these days of shortages and the military is shrinking? Uh, do we want to spend over three billion dollars of the taxpayers' money of our military funds uh, for for elective transgender surgeries? I, I don't think so. And then so what I'm what I'm hearing from some of these the mid-level commanders. Uh, is that when they are approached by one of their personnel that decides he wants to be transgendered, uh, he immediately has to go into uh, a sequence of events that uh, basically he loses that person uh, for a minimum of two years uh, because of this uh, sequence of uh, things that are going to have to happen, whether it be uh, hormonal therapy, the, the actual surgery, you have to... Uh, you have to counsel them, and uh, they don't they don't replace these these uh, these military members who are, are being transgender. They're still on the payroll. You don't get to use them. Uh, they have uh, hormonal shifts uh, with this therapy and mood swings. They're growing their hair out, or uh, who knows what all is going on there. Uh, and they do not. They just simply have to do without that person. Um, yeah. And we're already in critical shortages right now. So they're complaining very, very much about this. The policy is a disaster, should not be in the military. And uh, we're not through with it yet, Chris. Well, you know, and this 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 dovetails perfectly into what I well, uh, another question I want to talk to you about. I'm going to talk with the listeners after you get off the air is. You know, what you just experienced with with five people, five, I'm assuming they were Republicans, uh, not coming onto your side and 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 dealing away with this thing that is. And I've seen the studies that say that this undermines the readiness of our military. Let's let's pivot to health care. You've got uh, Senator Collins. You've got Lisa Murkowski. You've got Senator Portman and Shelley Capito, Senator Capito. It leads many of us to question, and I and I don't know why more Republicans aren't questioning. What does it mean to be a Republican these days? You know, the unifying principle of left-wing extremism from the other party is uh, it unites them. They're collectivists by nature, uh, but th- there doesn't seem to be a unifying principle in the in the Republican Party, it, it, which leads many of the constituencies. T- to ask the question, what do you guys stand for? Are you asking this question of your colleagues up on Capitol Hill? And give us some insight. What does the Republican Party these days stand for? Well, let me tell you something. I thought, uh, I think you can look at most of the platforms of, uh, of state Republican parties and the national platform, and we stand for lower taxes, less government, family values, uh, uh, an increased uh, military uh, back to full strength. Uh, and secure borders. These are the things we believe in. And traditional that's what I family thought. That's, values. That's what I thought. But then you've got Senator Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Senator Portman, and Senator Capito saying, hey, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, we like all that liberty and freedom stuff, but we want, uh, we want uh, Medicaid. We want, we want the government. We want the government to continue to subsidize the states and subsidize the tax or the insurance companies with taxpayer money. It's like it's a complete and utter betrayal. It's, it's, it seems counterintuitive to what we were told the Republican Party stands for. Well, and what it's going to do, if we leave the taxes in there, the insurance regs, and, and much of the framework of Obamacare, uh, it's going to le- lead to um, you know higher premiums. It's, or at least, let's put it this way, if it doesn't lead to higher premiums, we're not going to get that much of a premium drop. Yeah. Uh, we've got to give people choice. 
it, it is insanity for the federal government to decide through through, through these insurance regs uh, what you and your family need as far as insurance coverage. They're mandating. These insurance regs require uh, maternity insurance for everybody, uh, drug rehab monies. And, and these are the types of things that I don't think uh, the average family needs, especially if, let's say, if you're a, a 30-year-old male. Why do you need to have maternity insurance or a 60-year-old <laughs> woman? Uh, yeah, or a 75-year-old male or something like that. No, I, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. By the way, Congressman Brian Babin is our guest right now, folks. 36th Congressional District in the great state of Texas. L- let me go through a scenario, and I want you to react to this okay. scenario because we, we've laid it out uh, on the program. You're sitting in your office one day, and let's say that this, this Senate uh, idea of adding $70 billion of taxpayer money to this payoff to the insurance companies, and it joins a $127 billion pot of money that's already there. So you're looking at $200 billion. And you're a fiscal Republican, a fiscally sane Republican, and you're trying to work to stop all of these taxpayer uh, 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 the funding going to a private, uh, the private insurance companies. And here comes an insurance representative and says, hey, you know what, Congressman Babin, you know, we had this slush fund set up uh, that had the Congress of the United States uh, extortion money buying down the premiums for for uh, your constituents here to the tune of two hundred billion dollars. And now we hear, Congressman, you're 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 trying to do away with that taxpayer money coming into our private industry. We would sure hate to see your constituents see an increase in their rates, uh, uh, Congressman, because that wouldn't work out very well for you in your reelection bid. Can you conceive of that scenario if we go down this failed Obamacare road that so many in that Senate want to take us down? Well, you know, it's the way uh, Obamacare is simply unsustainable. It was foisted upon us. Uh, the Democrats uh, lied and they were disingenuous the way they pushed it down the Republicans and the uh, and the American people's throats. And now they're they're trying to tell us uh, they're naysayers constantly. They're not going to not one Democrat is going to help us. Uh, and they're saying you need to keep it. Uh, you need to you need to improve it. But uh, that's disingenuous because the American people didn't want it to begin with. Uh, it's an abject failure. It's going down. It won't be long before there are no insurance companies in there because there's, they're not going to be able to, uh, to turn a profit. And so uh, I have a, a huge problem with a $70 billion, uh, I call it a bailout fund, uh, mm-hmm. to try to buy these, these premiums down. And if you, could, if you could open up the market and give freedom and allow market forces to reign supreme and and uh, have a bottom-up where people will get to, to decide what they want uh, as far as their, in, their insurance policies cover, uh, I think you're going to get a lowering of premiums. I think the government getting involved and subsidizing uh, and, buy, as you said, buying down these premiums is mm-hmm. the absolute wrong way to fix something uh, in, the, in the United States of America. We are the home of capitalism. The market works. I agree. I, you know, I got about, hey, Congressman, I got about 30 seconds. I'll just uh, give some advice to your constituents and to others out there uh, who are listening. When when uh, elected leaders say that that $200 billion of what they call a stabilization fund is temporary, should the American people believe the United States Senate when they say that $200 billion slush fund is temporary? Should we believe them? Well, you know, uh, 
I I don't have a crystal ball, uh, Chris. But all <laughs> I can tell you is it's very very difficult as we're seeing uh, to get rid of a a government uh, benefit or handout uh, once once it's been in effect for a while. We've had Obamacare for seven and a half years. We campaigned yep. to get rid of this thing. I know. And, uh, I know. We, Absolutely must. Failure is not an option here. We must deliver the pro- on the promises that we've made, and uh, the senators need to, to, to pa- pass a reasonably conservative uh, a bill that will give freedom uh, back to the American people and lower premiums for, uh, All right. for, for U.S. citizens. Congressman Brian Babin, everybody, 36th Congressional District in Texas. Sir, appreciate the time, as always. Get to those votes, sir, uh, and we Absolutely. appreciate you being here. Okay, thank you, Chris. God bless. All right, folks, when we get back, uh, we're going to discuss what we put up on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page uh, last evening in preparation for today. And it's not going to be just one day of discussion on this because uh, I- I'd like you guys to show up on the Facebook page and give your thoughts. I'd like to hear your thoughts if you feel compelled to call. And many of you tell me that uh, you're not able to call because you're at work, but which is fine. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. But here's the question: What is a Republican? What is a Republican? Is that because of the goings on in the last few weeks, and and maybe maybe the last few years? Can we can we start to say that term is meaningless? And what does that mean for the future of this country when there is no longer a conservative party? Or is it time to bring a conservative party back to the political stage if the conservative party is no longer the Republican Party? We'll discuss it next on The Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. This this is going to be something we're going to be developing through next couple of days, maybe weeks, depending on your feedback. It's pinned to the top of the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. And I said discussion on tomorrow's show, but it's it's actually going to span several shows. And I will share with you some of the feedback you guys give on Facebook you want to call and talk to me about it and here's here's how i phrase it given senator collins murkowski portman capito does the gop have a core what does the gop stand for is this their party or is it yours and that last question isn't isn't me saying oh uh you know, take back your party or, or anything like that. No, no, no. that. That's not the nature of this of that question. The nature is, do the values being exhibited by Senator Collins, Murkowski, Portman, Capito, who seem to be 
running the show. They're running the show. And they call themselves Republicans. Do they meet your values? And, you know, we hear, you know, Mitch McConnell, this is a big tent, a, a big tent, a big tent. You know what big tent is synonymous for? No core. No unifying principle. What is the unifying principle for the Republican Party? As Congressman Babin said, I thought it was small government. I thought it was family values. I thought it was more empowerment to people. Turns out, no. Turns out the Republican Party is populated with leftists. Turns out the Republican Party is populated with a bunch of statists. Turns out the Republican Party is populated with uh, people like uh, Senator Collins, who thinks it's completely appropriate to redistribute wealth. And it's the government's job to do it. And doesn't believe in individual merit. Doesn't believe in the values that you and I believe in. State control of all manner of issues rather than power residing in the people or at the very least the states that are closer to the people. So I I really got to think, you know, because I look at the other side and man, I mean, Barack Obama, uh, Chuck Schumer in 2014, we played the sound by for yesterday. He gets out and says, yeah, we, 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 we paid attention to the wrong thing. We paid attention to Obamacare. That was the wrong thing. I haven't heard that since. You can't find these Democrats parting with uh, something their leaders do. They just don't do that. They're, they're unified in passing destructive policies. What unifies a Republican? If anything, remember, everybody, society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow for a Friday. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.